When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. What's up, bro? You believe that? Of all the you, you, hold on, hold on, hold on, oh no. Do you believe that? They should offer him 100 million today for, for the next three years. It's a nine-win season for me. And I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. I got receipts. I know who they are. All recruits. I'm not hot to try. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't coming no more. Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. You know what's on deck. I got a daily dose of Dion for you today. Uh, that maybe the the best daily dose of Dion uh, that we'll have all football season. Uh, Steve Kim's going to join us today as well. Uh, my fire starter is going to be incredible. Uh, wow, am I excited! Uh, for today. I've been filling up uh, on my first cup of coffee uh, to get me all jacked up and excited for today. I hope you guys are supporting uh, First Cup. Today's episode is brought to you by First Cup Coffee, a Christian-owned patriot coffee company that stands for core values, family, and building community across the nation. First Cup's freshly roasted beans delivered in ground or whole bean texture, pods in bulk, Go to firstcup.com and use my promo code FEARLESS and save an additional 10% on your order. If you subscribe, save an additional 10% for the life of your subscription. Guys, hop on board with First Cup. They've hopped on board uh, with us. They share our values. They're supporting this great content uh, that you're about to receive today. Uh, as I told you, man, do I have a daily dose of Dion ready for you today. I'm going to explain to you why I've got a daily dose of Dion. I'm going to explain the truth about Dion Sanders today. Uh, we'll do that. Then we'll bring in Steve Kim and we'll talk about Dion and we'll talk about what's going on in the NFL. We'll talk about uh, Sharon, uh, uh, Sharon Morris, the offensive coordinator that filled in uh, for Jim Harbaugh. Tell you what to think about Bill Belichick, what to think about Trevor Lawrence. We got a lot to cover today, uh, but nothing will be better than this fire starter. Let me clear up just a little bit more room uh, for this fire starter by telling you guys about uh, our great friends at Cozy Earth. Guys, are you looking to score a few extra points by giving the perfect holiday gift this season? Here's a tip from Cozy Earth that'll have her bragging about how thoughtful you are. I'm talking about soft, luxurious bedding from Cozy Earth. 
I own a set of these sheets myself, and it really is a life-changing luxury. Listen, Cozy Earth bedding is incredibly soft, lightweight, and naturally temperature-regulating, so she'll sleep more comfortably year-round, and so will you. And Cozy Earth uses only the very finest materials, including premium viscose from highly sustainable bamboo. Plus, every Cozy Earth bedding item comes in a beautiful reusable canvas bag, which means no gift wrapping required. And while you're checking out their world's softest sheets, don't miss their luxury pajamas, ultra comfortable joggers, plush lounge socks, premium bath towel collection, or their brand new cuddle blanket. She'll love them too. So give the gift of comfort this holiday season and save up to 40% on Cozy Earth. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter my promo code FEARLESS at checkout, and save up to 40%. That's CozyEarth.com, promo code FEARLESS. What a great holiday gift. You're giving to the woman you love, you're making her happy, you're making your sleep better, and you're supporting one of our sponsors who makes this show and this fire starter possible. With a fifth straight loss Friday night at Washington State, Deion Sanders can wrap up last place in the Pac-12 Conference. Did you know that? Yes, sir. Colorado's 34-31 loss to Arizona on Saturday made the Buffaloes last place bowl eligible. Colorado versus Washington State is the brawl for it all. A clash between the West Coast two worst major college teams. The Cougars, four, six, and four and six, one and six, are riding a six-game losing streak into this showdown. Just like the Colorado Buffaloes, Washington State relies on a one-dimensional all-pass offense to compensate for a defense that gives up more than 30 points per game in league play. Friday's loser will finish the season with no more than two Pac-12 wins, which would guarantee them at least a share of last place. A loss Friday would make Colorado a heavy favorite to own last place outright, considering it finishes the season traveling to 16th ranked Utah. The coach prime miracle turnaround in Boulder has a good chance of landing in the exact same spot as Carl Durrell's last Colorado team, looking up at every other team in its conference. Matching Durrell would be quite an accomplishment for Coach Prime, corporate and social media's leading candidate for National Coach of the Year. He would make history. No coach in Power Five history has ever garnered the level of hype and worship showered on Coach Prime while never rising above his conference's cellar. Based on Colorado's 3-0 non-conference start, which included a season-opening upset of TCU, sports pundits argued Sanders should be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys, offered $100 million by Colorado, and the top choice to replace Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Do me a favor, Justin. Uh, play that Daily Dose of Dion open we got again. Play that again right now. Of all the you, you, hold on, hold on, hold on, oh no. Do you believe that? They should offer him $100 million today for, for the next three years. It's a nine-win season for me. And I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. I got receipts. I know who they are. All recruits. I'm not hot to try. <laughs> <laughs> Ha ha ha! 
We ain't coming no more. It is the brawl for it all. And you know, uh, Dion's not coming anymore. Remember, you know, we coming. That's all out, out the window now at four and six. Now they're in a battle for last place. Man, this guy in just a handful of months, 60 minutes commissioned two separate profiles of the future coaching lounge. Coach Prime started the football season demanding that members of the media believe in him and blustering about, I got receipts, I got receipts on everybody. Well, today he's bunkered down in Boulder trying to figure out how to avoid a loss in the aforementioned last place bowl. As of today, Vegas odd makers favor the Buffalo securing 12th place in the Pac-12. Dion is getting five points this Friday night. What will the media establishment do Friday night if Coach Golden Calf locks up last place? Well, I can tell you what they will not do. Tell the truth. Colorado's fall from media darling to the bottom of the Pac-12 standings is of no real surprise. At no point during Dion's 11th month tenure as CU's head coach has he conducted himself in a manner that will produce consistent winning at the major college level. From day one, when he filmed himself telling the existing Colorado players to hit the transfer portal and boasted, I'm coming, he has ring-led a circus. Deion Sanders has been far more homie to clown than the second coming of Bear Bryant or Eddie Robinson. The Louis Vuitton recruits he brought with him from Jackson State, quarterback Shadur Sanders, two-way player Travis Hunter, and safety Shiloh Sanders, yeah, they significantly upgraded Colorado's roster. However, Dion has undermined those upgrades with a chaotic, distraction-riddled culture. He leads the most penalized and undisciplined football team in all of college football. When it comes to penalties, the Buffs rank 133 out of 133 teams. They average nine and a half penalties per game. That's four more than a year ago. Uh, yeah, when you stuff your sideline and locker room with rappers, celebrities, and media grifters, it should come as no surprise that your team lacks focus and discipline. When you combine a circus atmosphere with a peewee coach slash helicopter parent piloting the team, you create the perfect scenario to wind up as the Pac-12's bottom bitch. All season, Despite an inexperienced offensive line, Coach Prime has insisted on a pass-heavy, everyone-out-in-a-pattern offense intended to make his son Shadur a Heisman Trophy candidate and first-round NFL prospect. The scheme has produced more sacks, 12 more sacks, than offensive touchdowns. When it comes to sacks surrendered, CU ranks 132 out of 133 Division I teams. Coach Prime's desperate attempt to elevate his quarterback son has also required all-world cornerback Travis Hunter to see extensive double duty. He's averaging more than 100 snaps per game because he moonlights as Shadur's top receiving target. I know, I know, I've heard it all season. I can hear the Dion worshipers in the comments, in the chats right now. You're too hard on Coach Prime. The 
Buffalo's only won one game last year. What did you expect? <clears throat> Here's what I expected. I expected the media to do its job and provide context for sports fans to properly evaluate the miracle in Boulder. Four victories is not a miracle in Boulder. It's standard. In seven of the previous eight seasons before Coach Prime, Colorado won at least four games. Last year's one-win season was an aberration. If you look beyond a single season, you can make a compelling argument that the program Jed Fish inherited in Arizona was in worse shape than the one Dion inherited in Boulder. Plus, no Power 5 coach before Dion has ever been authorized to run off his entire roster. Dion is a mercenary coaching a group of transfer portal mercenaries. He's not leading a miracle revival. He's running a demolition derby. The goal isn't to rebuild Colorado football. The goal is to burnish a brand that profits Dion Shadur, social media influencers, and television networks. The Miracle in Boulder is really the next iteration of MTV's real-world Boulder. Coach Prime is Puck, the troll from real-world San Francisco. The goal of every real-world cast member was to use the show to increase his or her fame. That's all Dion is doing at Colorado. He's pretending he's there to help kids and, emp and empower aspiring black coaches. He's throwing a giant party for black elites. There's nothing black elites relish more than integrating white spaces and isolating themselves from the black masses. Wakanda is for the movies. It's a fantasy no black elite has any interest in seeing happen. It requires too much work. Why build something sustainable at Jackson State, a school with a $57 million endowment, when you can be celebrated for generating money for Colorado, a school with a $2 billion endowment. Most people would choose the same path as Dion. It's easier, it's more fun, it's safe. There are no real expectations for him at Colorado. He can finish in last place in his conference and it will be hailed as an amazing success. The television networks need his clownish persona for ratings, so ESPN and Fox Sports will avoid legitimately scrutinizing his performance. Black people, we're so ruled by racial idolatry and celebrity worship that we will reject any uncomfortable truth revealed about Dion. Dion can't lose Friday night. No matter the final score or final standings, Coach Prime is the biggest winner of the football season. In a society that no longer values merit, the biggest losers are the predetermined winners. That's my fire starter. I know many of you uh, Dion worshipers are in knots. You, you thought I was done. Whoa, whoa, we're like talking about Dion again. That's all he do, he's obsessed with Dion. I did not touch Dion all last week, and they lost last week too. But I, I just want to put Dion in proper focus. This whole little miracle in Boulder, and oh, how improved 
Colorado is. That's all been a lie and a myth. It's all been created by social media and corporate media to drive clicks and TV ratings. Oh, it's incredible what Dion has done. They only won one game last year. Dion has not, so far, has not done anything the previous coaches weren't doing routinely at Colorado, winning four games and finishing at the bottom or near the bottom of the Pac-12. That's where they're headed right now, according to Vegas odds makers. They're plus five points against Washington State. They're supposed to lose this game on the road. Washington State's been bad. They've lost six in a row. But Vegas sees Colorado losing on the road Friday night. That would guarantee them at least time for last place in the Pac-12 conference. But, they, but, but last year they only won one game and they was getting blowed out in every game last year. And these games have been close. What do you mean? This has been incredible. If you watch the game and know what you're looking at, everything that has gone on with Colorado has been very predictable. If you watch TCU, if you watch Nebraska, if you watched the Colorado State game in particular, all the signs were pointing towards, oh, this thing's going to collapse. And there was one person, one show, willing to tell you, hey, this thing's going to collapse. This isn't headed on the right track. This team is undisciplined. This team is not, doesn't have a strategy that fits its actual personnel. This team is being coached by a helicopter parent who's running it like a peewee football team. One guy willing to tell you that. And I've been vilified and ripped for doing it. And, and, and this is why I won't leave this alone. This has bigger implications than just Dion and just the sports world. It, it, it's, it's, it actually raises the question, particularly with black sports fans and with just black people, do we have any interest in the truth? Any interest at all? Or do we just want to be lied to? We just want to be told what tickles our ear, what makes us feel good. Do we want to be ahead of the competition? Do we want to be smarter than our enemies? Do we want to be smart enough and informed enough to make rational decisions? Or do we just want to be lied to and told what we want to hear? Because all the people that say, oh yeah, I want, I'm pro-black and I want black progress. You can't be pro-black and want black progress 
if you want to be lied to. If you require everyone to lie to you. Because if someone tells you the truth, someone tries to put you ahead of the conversation, they're either racist or a sellout. Or, oh, I mean, I love the one and I get it all. You hate yourself, Jason. Because I criticize Dion? Because I tell you what's really going on? Do I, maybe I do that because I actually love black people and want us ahead of the conversation and want us pursuing truth, pursuing values and, and, and modeling behavior that consistently leads to progress. Maybe there's a group of people that want black people completely uninformed and completely modeling behavior that leads to failure. I don't want war with Deion Sanders. I would prefer that Dion unblock me from Twitter and watch this show. And instead of calling up like a little baby, I don't want to hear it. And Jason hates me or whatever. I would prefer him to take this constructive criticism and apply it to what he's doing as a coach. But he has no interest in that. Like most people have no interest in that because he doesn't want to do what's difficult. He thinks he's been uh, brainwashed by his success as an athlete and thinks that all of that applies to the coaching world. And it doesn't. Dion was blessed in the womb with remarkable talent and it made the details of football, baseball, basketball irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. So he doesn't know how to share the details that allow someone less talented than himself, which is 99.999% of all college football players, all football players produce. He doesn't know how to share with them or create an environment where they can grow and develop and become the best versions of themselves. That's what's going on in Colorado. When, when, when little Wayne's leading you out of the locker room, when your sideline is filled up with offset and every other rapper and every other celebrity you can think of, you wonder why your team is distracted. You wonder why they lead the country in penalties. You wonder why there's no focus and there's no consistent effort. You've invited the circus to your sidelines and your locker room. You got rappers giving pregame speeches and rapping in the locker room, and you wonder why your team is a hot mess when it comes to discipline? You don't need to be any type of expert to, to recognize the kind of chaos Dion invited into his football team. You need to take the racial blinders and the celebrity worship blinders off 
and just evaluate what's going on. And don't be mad at the person that's telling you like, hey, man, this won't work. This this, this would be like me being mad because a, a trainer says, hey, man, don't eat that fried chicken. If you want to lose weight, don't eat that fried chicken. Oh, I hate you. You must hate black people for telling me not to eat fried chicken. How dare you criticize my eating habits? You must hate me. No, I'm actually telling you don't eat the fried chicken because I love you. I'm telling you what's going on with Deion Sanders because I care about you and want to open your mind to a different way, not a, a different way, but just a biblical worldview. It has a track record of success like no other worldview. It can fix your problems. I'm using that worldview to fix a bunch of my problems, and I have a bunch of them. I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing myself. But you have to have an interest in truth. You have to have a sincere interest in applying a biblical worldview. You have to be real with your relationship with God. And that's not me painting myself as some perfect person. I am as flawed or more flawed than everybody listening to this show. I'm just real with myself. And at some point, as black people, we have to be real with ourselves and quit hearing anybody that questions us as a racist or a sellout, or we're going to continue to make mistake after mistake after mistake and fall for every okie doke that's put out there. Every gimmick, every get rid scream, every false god. We, this thing with Dion, everybody that knows anything about football could see where this was headed and is headed. I was the one that had to tell you all because everybody's, oh man, Dion's so relatable. The recruits love him. And I was like, well, hold up. Have, have you checked the recruiting rankings? Have you looked? He's not dominating the recruiting ranks. It's not working. Just this past week, uh, I think it's the kid's name's Winston Watkins, big time recruit out of Florida. The first, he is the first player that ever committed to Dion at Colorado. Now he's a 2025 recruit, but in December of 22, being from Florida, he committed to Dion in Colorado. Guess what? He just decommitted last week. He can see where this is headed. Anybody with a brain can see where this is headed. This is all about Shadur Sanders, Dion's son, the quarterback. And when Shadur is done, so is Dion. And Winston Watkins is like, well, I'm out of here. Let me go someplace else where it's 
real, where it's not a circus, where you can actually be put in an environment where your skills and talents are developed for the NFL and the next level. They're not develop Dion, they're not developing anything. And I'm even talking about Shadur. This all pass offense, no one in to help the offensive tackles or the offensive line pass block. Shadur is getting the crap beat out of him. That's on Dion. When daddy's the coach and he loves to see the ball in his son's hand and he loves what his son says about Dion, that's what happens. That's why you run an offense that's all pass. No one helps the offensive line. You send five guys out in a pattern on every play. That's daddy trying to say something about daddy. You're mistaking it. As if Dion's, oh, I'm just trying to put my son in position, trying to elevate my son. No, he's trying to elevate Dion by elevating his son. This is, and I'm about to push another button. I don't care. Just facts. This is, if LeVar Ball had coached his sons in college, this is what it would look like. Dion is nothing more than LeVar Ball with someone foolish enough to give him five, six million dollars to coach their team. And, and you know what? It's great. Oh, Colorado, look how much money they're generating in Colorado. The games are sold out and look at how much merchandise there's moving. Colorado has a two billion dollar endowment. Do you think they're hurting for money? Have you ever been to Boulder? Let's say Dion helped them generate an additional $30 million. You think they really needed it? You think it made a difference? And let's say he did generate 30, an additional 30, $40 million. And let's say they did need it. Is that better than helping Jackson State? raise, generate an additional 10, 15, 20 million dollars? Is that better? I mean, and seriously, if, if, if I'm going to celebrate and, and carry Dion around on my shoulders and, 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 and say, man, look what Dion's doing, this is great for black folks. He better be doing it at a HBCU that needs the money. Colorado has a $2 billion endowment. Jackson State has a $57 million endowment. I'm not good at math. But that's a lot of money. That's a big difference. $57 million, $2 billion. I, I, by my calculations, that's nearly a $2 billion difference. But, but, Man, what Dion's doing, this, whew, boy, this is so great for black people. And he's empowering black coaches and he's just uplifting black people. And he's the Malcolm X and the Martin Luther King of coaching. They, they, I don't want to use that word. White liberals do not want black people 
investing in themselves. They want guys like Dion to come tap dance for them and to generate millions upon millions of dollars in attention for them. That's what white liberals want. And we love to do it. Love to do it. And we'll take six million dollars a year. Love it. I was only getting, let's say he was getting a million at Jackson State. I'm not going to work through those problems. I'm not going to make any sacrifices for an HBCU or there's a limit to the sacrifices I'm going to make. And it's about a two year limit. That's how Dion was there for three seasons, but he was basically there for two years. And Dion wanted to get someplace where his sons would be comfortable with their big gold chains and Rolex watches and Rolls Royces that they're driving around campus. You couldn't do that at Jackson State. Too poor, too crime ridden, can't floss the way you want to. And Dion loves to floss. His sons love to floss. Shadour drives a Rolls Royce. If he had done that at Jackson State, pop might have got popped. Somebody going to snatch one of them chains off of him at Jackson State. So he's very, let me move my kids to one of the whitest places in America, one of the richest places in America where it's perfectly safe. I'm done making any sacrifices on behalf of black people. <laughs> when you're unwilling to make any sacrifices, don't complain about the results you get. Don't do it. Don't, don't, don't. I'm not, no one wants to cry a river for someone that doesn't want to invest in themselves, doesn't want to make any real sacrifices for themselves wants everybody else to carry the load. Hey, you owe us this because of reparations. People, people don't want to hear that. Dion's in the last place bowl Friday night. Uh, I'll be watching. You'll be watching. We'll see if Dion has made any real significant improvement at Colorado. He's not winning the recruiting wars. The four victories they got is right on course for what they had been doing before Dion got there. You can talk about last year all you want. Let, let's expand the data. Let's look big picture. Let's look broader. And that's like saying, well, <clears throat> Whitlock, he didn't eat no McDonald's last year. Or la yeah, last year. But let's look at Whitlock over the course of the last 10 years. That will tell us the truth. He had a nice little run in 2023 where he didn't eat any McDonald's. But let's look over the last 10 years. That's the truth. And so they set up a little small, or Dion set up and, and the media set up a very low standard, a very low bar for Dion to jump over. One game. Well, he won four games. He's, 
You can't criticize anything he did. Miss me with all of that. Uh, so either you want the truth or you don't. If you have no interest in the truth or as Jack Nicholas says, if you can't handle the truth. You're not man enough or woman enough for sustained success. Your failure is on you. If you're so allergic, so bothered by the truth, so bothered by constructive criticism, pointed criticism of another man, a celebrity worth millions of dollars, if you're the person sitting out there, oh, so bothered that one person was willing to say, hey, man, this is a load of BS. Let me tell you why. Here's how it's going to end. If that bothers you so much, you're not man enough for success. Your skin isn't thick enough. Your brain isn't sharp enough. Your commitment to truth isn't strong enough to ever sustain success. Look in the mirror, blame yourself. <clears throat> That's uh, my addition to the fire starter. Uh, Steve Kim's going to join me here in a second. Before I do that, I guys, I want to tell you about our purpose, uh, our mission here. Preborn, you guys know. Uh, this country, this society we've concocted is in love with abortion. The, the, these leftists feel like, feminists feel like it's a fundamental right. Killing a baby in the womb is a fundamental right. They have the absolute wrong mentality as it relates to life and where it begins. It begins at conception. And if you don't treat life in the womb properly with love and support, you've got the wrong mindset and you're contributing to this chaotic, corrupt, satanic culture that we have in control of America and the world right now. I can tell you an organization that is fighting that satanic culture, the culture of death that we've adopted, and it's preborn. You guys know I love preborn. Uh, they provide ultrasounds to expectant mothers who are considering abortion. Once the woman sees that, hears that baby's heartbeat, sees that baby's image in the womb, she is twice as likely to choose life, and that's when preborn really steps in and steps up and provides that woman the support she needs to get through the pregnancy and through the first two years of that baby's life. We just had Dan Steiner on last week. He was Dan Steiner, founded preborn. We know where our money goes. It goes for ultrasounds and diapers and all the support that woman needs to get through the first two years of that baby's life outside the womb. Preborn is awesome. As fearless soldiers, we need to support uh, preborn. They've been supporting us. We need to support them. When you give $28, it, it pays for one ultrasound. You give $28,000. It pays for a lot of ultrasounds. I can't do the math on that, but it pays for a lot. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate it. But you're also supporting me in this show, and I so greatly appreciate it. There's two ways to give. Pound 250, say the keyword baby. 
pound 250, say the keyword baby, or visit preborn.com slash fearless. That's preborn.com slash fearless. Uh, Steve Kim's going to join us uh, here in a second. Uh, before we get to Steve Kim, I want to remind you all that fire starter and this conversation I'm about to have with Steve Kim, it's worthy of a five-star rating on Apple. We got to continue to hit that five-star rating on Apple. The spammers, the people that don't want this message getting out there, keep spamming us with one stars. We need to spam them back with five stars. Write a review as well. If you're watching over YouTube, hit the likes, hit the subscription, hit the notifications. Tell your friends to come watch the show. Be Kim, uh, the Korean Coast Cell. Next. It's my obligation to hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Jason Whitlock, previously on Fearless. You know what God wants from me? You know what that sounds like? A Marxist. That sounds like someone that believes they're God. It's almost like I haven't lived these 56 years. This other person. They know what's for me and what God has for me. Really? And it's to talk politics because World War Three is coming. Really? If World War Three is coming, we need Jesus. All right, welcome back. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about a new apparel brand started by our guy, Jonathan Isaacs. Uh, the sports and lifestyle apparel industry has been dominated for years by companies with woke agendas, companies that use your dollars to push ideologies you don't agree with. Unitas is the alternative. It's a new clothing company founded by NBA player Jonathan Isaac that offers a values-based alternative for stylish, high-quality sports and lifestyle apparel. But it's more than cool clothes. Unitas is a growing community and movement bringing people together in support of traditional values like faith, family, and freedom. When you shop Unitas, you're building an alternative economy that is necessary for the future of our country. Later this month, Jonathan is launching his first signature sneaker under Unitas called Judah One. This will be the first ever signature shoe to feature a Bible verse on the exterior inspiring you to live out your faith with boldness. Let's all commit to supporting Unitas with our dollars. To shop Unitas and sign up for exclusive access to the Judah One Shoe, visit weareunitas, that's U-N-I-T-U-S dot com. That's weareunitas dot com. Make sure to use our promo code BLAZE and the number one for free shipping at checkout. That's weareunitas.com, promo code BLAZE1. Not one spelled out, just the number one. All right, uh, time for a little Korean co-sell. Okay, Cosell, uh, I just finished ranting and raving about uh, Deion Sanders and giving you all my daily dose of Deion Sanders. Uh, no one's talking about it but me. I'm going to force people to talk about it. 
Dion is in a battle for last place Friday night. The last place bowl in the Pac-12 uh, will be decided Friday night, Washington State versus Colorado, uh, or Colorado at Washington State. Uh, Dion's getting five points. They're favored to finish last in the uh, Pac-12. Uh, your thoughts, would a last place finish in the Pac-12 stop all the talk about this miracle that Dion put together in Boulder? Well, first of all, I want to say this. I got to give you credit there, old Whitlock. You, unlike all those people that supposedly supported Dion, who really made this a cultural movement, right, black power, it's funny how they haven't really kept up on this. They haven't kept on, on progress. They no longer care. They're no longer peeking in. And this is an interesting game because Washington State and Colorado have something in common. They both peaked in September, but only one team was the story of the month. Now, here's what I find interesting about how the Dion Express has come to a screeching halt as I'm reading your column earlier. Um, is this kind of like Studio 54? You know, like they were the hottest club. You wanted to be there. Everyone was dying to get in. There was a little bit of debauchery of different kind. And it was, it was a hot place. You wanted to be there. But then all of a sudden, it was over. Now, I will say this. Studio 54 actually may have been more fun if that's your kind of stuff that you like. And it may have had a longer run. So then I got to thinking, in terms of fashion, what is this Colorado run of 2023? It's going to irk some people. May irk you, Jason. The Coach Prime phenomenon in Colorado it is the Malcolm X hat and gear of the summer of 1991. Do you remember that? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I, I remember as just a suburbanite, a crouching tiger in Montebello. I remember all the brothers wearing an X hat. I was like, wow, what's going on with the number 10? Is it Super Bowl 10? Is it Bo Derek? What's going on with the X? <laughs> They're like, no, no, it's Malcolm X. I was like, oh, okay. And, and I thought it was a great cultural movement. Why did it ever stop? Uh, and then the movie came out a few years later. And I've always said, well, wait a minute. If you really think Malcolm X made this much of a cultural impact, and I really think he's one of the more important people of the past 50, 60 years in American history, I find him to be fascinating. Why did, we, why did anyone ever stop wearing his stuff? To me, his words are more relevant than they are today. The difference is with Dion, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it isn't. But I, I just find it really interesting that some of the shows that made it a point to cover Dion daily, excluding this one, it's funny they've stopped. Hmm. I, I, I love the Malcolm, Heck, Malcolm X analogy. Uh, there's a picture of me on the internet wearing a Malcolm X hat, I believe, in 1992 <laughs> or 93. Yeah, there it is. That, that, was, that picture comes from... I was a columnist at the Kansas City, no, not the Kansas City, at the Ann Arbor News at the time. And I wrote a column about what would Malcolm X think about the Fab Five. And they took a different column mug picture of me wearing the Malcolm X hat. Or I, I, maybe I did a review of the movie and they were, but anyway, that picture's for me at the Ann Arbor News. That's in the early 1990s, very Wait early 1990s. I was caught up in the fad, Steve. 
Jason, I will say this. If that's in 1993, you actually wore yourself a year or two longer than most people. But judging by that <laughs> shirt, you went to Chess King, didn't you? I know a Chess King <laughs> shirt when I see it. I put a lot of stuff on layaway in the early to mid-90s at Old Chess King at the Montebello Town Center. Now, Jason, be honest. We can all admit it, our sins and our errors. Yeah. You wear cross colors. Did you wear cross colors? Those Come on. that uh, absolutely. There were cross. <laughs> co there were some green cross color uh, jeans I had on with that shirt yeah. when that picture was taken. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was Ooh. into cross colors. Jump, jump, uh, jump, jump. Wow. You know that song? <laughs> yeah. Oh, crisscross, crisscross. Sad ending for them. Yeah, crisscross. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Looking quite angry there. Uh, yeah, that, that penitentiary not, glare. Every black man has a penitentiary glare that they take in a picture. That was yours, right? Yeah, I see it. Ooh, scared yeah, the hell and out. I think this is, I, I honestly think this is back during the time when I used to cut my own hair. Because uh, that, that box just. Yeah, I can yeah. tell. <laughs> I can tell. So Trust can me. I. <laughs> but let, let's let, quit go taking back. me down memory lane. <laughs> let's go back to. I don't think anyone, what bothers me most about the media is we don't see it as our job to inform anymore. It's to cheerlead and or demonize. Yes. Uh, it, it's not to inform. And so everybody had a chance all year to inform people about what was really going on at Colorado. And most people passed on that and just chose cheerleading. And we've all bought into this narrative. Oh, this is incredible. They won one game last year, and no one widened the lens and said, well, you know, seven of the last eight seasons before Dion, Colorado won four or more games. Let's put this this one season of utter failure isn't the standard. And so Dion right now is on track to do what virtually every other coach in Colorado in the last eight seasons has done, win four or five games. L let's put it in that perspective. Instead of this miracle comeback, Dion's doing what everybody else did, except everybody else didn't run off their entire roster and replace it with new players. Your thoughts? Jason, they got to the same place just quicker. You're right, because basically in February or early October, uh, they got there. And, you know, I, I will say this, though. They played a pretty good game against Arizona. Uh, and I want to give Jed Fish credit, my, our old coordinator at Miami. He's doing a great job, by the way. Now, that's the way you build a program. And, and his best receiver got poached by USC, Dorian Singer. But that game was actually closer than I thought. But you're right, is look, for all the hoopla – that Dion got, and Colorado was the story of college football the first three, four, five weeks. Eric Weddle was on Coach JB's show. Now, I'm sure everyone knows who Eric Weddle is that follows football. This guy made about five or six Pro Bowls. So, and he also coaches now in the San Diego area. His team just won their first playoff game. Congratulations to him. And he made a point on today's show with Darnell or Smitty and Coach JB. He said, guys, um, this has to be talked about. They've only won four games. They, they, they won the same amount of games as last year. 
Like, we have to be honest about this. It's the exact same point you're making, and that's from a guy that played at a very high level of football that is now teaching and guiding young men. I'm going to be very interested to see in the offseason, as soon as that last snap takes place for this season, whether it's in a bowl game or in a couple of weeks, what is the roster going to look like? How many of these kids are going to be jettisoned? How many of these kids will be asked back? And then is the mission statement now to bring in more Louie, right? And I just wonder how many of these guys that aren't playing a lot in the last month have said, wow, everything is settled in. Is this what our Colorado Buffalo experience is going to be? And I wonder, Jason, how many of them are satisfied with it? Uh, Steve, I don't know if you know this, but I believe yesterday they lost some Louie. Uh, their top recruit decommitted. Uh, <laughs> kid out of Florida, wide receiver. I think his name's Winston. I can't think of his last name, but he decommitted. They lost some Louis. People are figuring out what's going on at Colorado. It, it's not a long-term plan. It's a get Shadur to the Heisman, get Shadur to the NFL or bust plan, and then Dion's out of there. And so I, I don't see them having a great recruiting class coming in. It hasn't been ranked that way all year. Now one of their top recruits has just bounced and decommitted on them. The shine is coming off Dion, and to me, it's not remotely surprising. And I know I got beat up and people were upset with me all season for pointing out in real time, like, hey, this isn't real. What we're seeing will not be sustained. And and. I want to give you credit, or I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to co-sign what you said. Last week is the first time I saw Dion coach a real football game. And, and I had talked to him. I tweeted out in the right at the eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, regardless of what happens, Dion against Arizona coached a real football game. Yeah. I think Arizona had more talent. I think Arizona's the better team. Dion with a mature strategy of we're going to play field position football. We're going to punt the ball, pin them deep, and try to shorten the field for our offense to keep us in the game. And the formula worked. That's the only reason they were in the game. They were actually outplayed. You go look at the yardage, like in the overwhelming majority of these games, they've been outgained, and, and the, you know they've needed some breaks to go their way. Playing field position football, put him in position to compete and potentially win that game. But they were, Dion, you know, made the comment, we were the better team. No, you weren't. It, for the first time, you actually outcoached someone and, and almost pulled off an upset, but you couldn't get it done because Dion still can't manage the clock. He doesn't really know what he's doing. It, it, it's, it's, to me, all season, it's been clear as day with all the distractions he's brought in from the rappers to the celebrities to the media grifters, he's created a culture that's full of distractions and he's wondering why he has the most penalized, the most undisciplined team in all of college football. That's on Dion. You know, Jason, what's interesting to me is I, I want to ask you a question from a player's perspective. Uh, Young Jason Whitlock, 87-88, the Orlando Pace of the Mac, okay, dominating that side, <laughs> providing 
protection like Fort Knox at the gates. But let's say there was a transfer portal. Okay, and you had offers to go to a pretty good Big Ten program. That would be, you know, to most people, a cut above going to any MAC program. Wouldn't your mindset be that if I'm going to leave everything at Ball State, it has to be to a better program? Because here's the thing about doing the transfer portal. If you're going from one P5 school to another, Jason, unless you're specifically looking for NIL, for the most part, most guys don't get that. That's the truth. Don't you actually want to go to a better team, though, along with all of that stuff that comes along with going to another program and university? You do want to go to a better team, Steve, but I do want to correct you. At these Power Fives, everybody is getting something, NIL. Something. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think the Utah team, every well, scholarship player got yeah, a new truck. But that that's not – okay, Look, there are certain deals at like Notre that. Dame, at Notre Dame, at Notre Dame, and again, I know that's the creme de la creme, but the minimum for every player, the min- if you just do nothing, you get $40,000. If you do nothing, basically, 40000 is the minimum. Michigan's got a similar deal. Everybody, and so at these Power 5 schools, everybody's getting something. I just I know Ball State – Ball State lost its best basketball player to Indiana University. He'll go be the seventh or eighth man at Indiana because he's going to get something in IL. We lost our best running back to UCLA. He's out there, and he's Carson Steele. He's playing well for UCLA. You're, you're going to get something, and Colorado is offering all these players something, but, and that's what Dion is going to figure out is that he's going to get a bunch of recruits that are there for the – Rappers, the weed, and the NIL. Not guys that are there to win football games and do whatever's necessary because that's not what Dion is really selling. He's selling fun. And, and football is not meant to be the funnest yeah. sport. It's, it's meant to be the most rewarding. Yeah. Jason, you are right. Every major program has a collective, as they call it, which is what I call the pay-for-pay till. Yeah. That's what it is. It's pay for play. It is what it yes. is. Let's just be honest. Now, here's the interesting thing. I actually watched some of those videos that is put out by the Colorado Buffalo social media that's produced by, I think, Dion's son. Here's what I found interesting. Even when they are winning, the, the day after the game and they're filming everything, there are a lot of players that actually just want to play football, love the game. And when I'm doing my weight room uh, activities, I don't necessarily need a camera in my face every day as I'm on the incline bench press. I mean, I could see certain guys, and I'll just say it, it was the white guys who did not want a camera in their face as they're eating their breakfast bagel. They're like, they, they had this look like, can I just eat breakfast in peace? Go to Shadur, go to Shiloh, go to Travis Hunter. This is for them. Me, I just want to develop as a football player and actually go to school. And I have a phrase about, you say football is not supposed to be fun. If you really are a the football most fun, player, the most fun, but I, I have a phrase and I should patent it. Uh, what is fun is often not rewarding. What is rewarding is not often fun. And when you go to these programs that are led by men like Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, certainly Nick Saban, uh, Ryan Day, the ones that are serious about putting rings on your finger. You think it's always fun? No, it's probably tough. It's probably the most grinding process that many players actually hate. But when they graduate, it's like a sense of like, you know what? We did something that was worthwhile, and I'm ready to conquer the real world. I wonder, 
Is that actually taking place at Colorado? That's just a question that I have. Colorado is for guys that want to be on a reality TV show. Colorado, Dion has made that Buffalo program into the real world Boulder, and everything is filmed. And, and, and everything's, once you start filming everything and putting it out as content, it makes it inauthentic. And I'll give you an example. I watched one of those, I'm serious, I watched one of those uh, videos that you're talking about before. What's it called? Off, well Off Media or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yes. yeah, I watched one of those videos and they had the, Pat Shermer was up talking to the team. Or it was Charles. Or it was Charles Kelly. I can't. One of one of the coordinators was up talking to the team. The office, It was Pat Sherman, the new OC, and he was making the point about how much progress they've made. He's talking to the team and he's showing them stats from 2022 offensively compared to 2023. And I was watching it, going, this video and what he's saying isn't for the kids in that room. They ran off the guys from 2022. So showing them stats from, look at the improvement we've made, guys, from last year. It doesn't land with that team, the guys in that room, because they're like, that wasn't us. We, we weren't. There's 86 new players here. There's only 10 leftovers here. The, 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 those stats from last year, that's not, we didn't improve on that. This is an entirely different group. The video was put out to speak to boosters and fans and recruits. It wasn't the, the offensive coordinator talking to his team in a real way that was going to motivate them or encourage them. It was for somebody else. That's the problem with Dion's deal. It's inauthentic because of the cameras. Jason, to, to refer back to 2020, uh, what's that got to do with the price of a snowplow in Boulder? You might as well reference, well, in 1994, Rashawn Salam rushed for 2,000 yards. <laughs> Christian Fourier was a hell of a tight end. And that Michael Westbrook, what a threat on the perimeter. Got nothing to do with anything. And I believe now, if, if this was a show, we could call it the real scholarship athletes of Boulder, Colorado. That's catchy. That is catchy. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm... I'm I'm going to leave Dion alone. I spent enough time ranting in my fire starter. Fearless with Jason Whitlock, the last place you could still get daily Dion coverage. I'll take that, you caterer. (laughs) Look, this conversation is important because, well, anyway, I'm not going to repeat stuff I've already said. But, uh, Steve, I want to move on. I I want your thoughts. Did you see Sharon Morris, uh, Michigan's offensive coordinator, uh, they beat up. Uh, they beat up Penn State, run it down their throat, uh, run it down their throat in a very impressive victory. No Jim Harbaugh. He's not coaching. Sharon uh, Morris back in the uh, head coaching spot, filling in for uh, Jim Harbaugh. Let's listen to his comments post-game. First on the win, to say that this has been a crazy 24 hours for your guys, to win on the road in this environment when there were doubts, what does it mean to you? Well, I thank the Lord. Well, I thank Coach Harbaugh. Love you, man. Love you, man. This is for you. For this university, the president, 
our AD. We got the best players, best university, best alumni in the country. Love you guys. These guys right here, these guys right here, man. These guys did it. These guys did it, man. Talk to him, man. Love you. Hmm. Uh, let me just throw in a, a side comment. That I'm going to tell I love Jenny Taff. I mean, I really do. I love Jenny Taff. Now, let me move on. Uh, your thoughts on Sharon? All right. First of all, that line, it reminded me of when Bud Light used to have great commercials, when they were America's beer. Remember? I love you, man. Remember that? That was like a thing in the 90s. I love that yes. thing. Then, 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 then they went, oh, whatever. Look. If I'm Sharon Moore, and by the way, I kind of went viral in a video of Coach JB. Coach JB was no fan of this. He wanted no more of that behavior. Um, I don't know. I was. I would have been laughing at the coaching of James Franklin. I wouldn't have been crying. I mean, look, I love Jim Harbaugh. The, the man, if I'm, if I'm an assistant at Michigan, I would love Jim Harbaugh too. Maybe my slanted eyes would have a couple of tears coming out like Iron Eyes Cody. But when I watched that game, during football palooza, I just kept thinking, James Franklin, with the way he managed that game for the Nittany Lions, should get a game ball from the Michigan staff. I was laughing at how bad and inept he was in managing that game and his lack of basic arithmetic. But as for the emotion, did I did I roll my eye? I did. I was like, oh, God. Okay, Jenny, go, go to Blake Corum. Go to Blake Corum. This is kind of bad. Can't lie. I'm gonna throw a curveball here. I'm gonna throw a curveball. I, I I liked it. I no. I, I liked it. I, I, I did. And and again, as I I don't. I'm not a fan of men crying publicly or whatever. But I just feel like that was real. The things I've seen from I made fun of Randy Moss or Ryan Clark or Kirk Herbstreit. I don't buy any of that. Those are crocodile tears. Those are tears in, intended to endear them to the audience. I think Sharon Morris was overwhelmed with emotion. No, this is a huge game. He loves Jim Harbaugh that made him the offensive coordinator, made him the head coach in his absence. He knows what a big deal this was for Sharon Morris. He's probably, after this season, going to get a head coaching job somewhere. And he's just overcome with authentic emotion like, what a spot Jim Harbaugh put me in, and I'm so glad that I could deliver for him and for this university that's put me in position. I'm going to get to realize my dreams. That young man's going to be a head coach in major college football somewhere okay. next year. I, 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 don't, I don't blame him for being overcome with emotion. You know, I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said. Okay, but let me just get this straight. Did Jim Harbaugh die or something? Is he on his deathbed? No, he's watching the game at the hotel conference room. He, I mean, if he was dying and he was like like a Lou Gehrig situation, yeah, I get it. But I, I, I guess, look, Sharon Moore is a really good young coach. You're absolutely right. He's on his way up. But let's keep this into perspective. Jim Harbaugh only got suspended. He did not get diagnosed with a terminal cancer here. Come on. I, I, I got it. But when you pour your life into something and they're fighting I'm for a national you. championship and they feel persecuted, I, I get where Morris is coming from. I get why the whole team's overcome with emotion. And that's why they just jammed it down Penn State's throat. They were fired up and motivated. Steve, I want to switch to the NFL. Uh, 
Deshaun Watson. Huh. Possibly the most impressive person on Sunday. Uh, completes, I think, 14 straight passes in the second half. The Cleveland Browns are right in the thick of the AFC North race. They knock off the Baltimore Ravens uh, yesterday. The game started poorly for Deshaun, throws a pick six, comes back, leads him to victory over the Ravens, who many thought was the best team in football. Uh, is, is this, is Deshaun Watson look like the old Deshaun Watson and, and Cleveland's got a defense. They have Miles Garrett. They, they, they got, this is a real team now. If Deshaun Watson returns to Pro Bowl form, your thoughts on what we saw from Deshaun yesterday? There is life with Deshaun, but in watching clips of this game and watching parts of it, two things came to mind. Miles Garrett is a monster. When you start having discussions about who's the best pure football player in the game, I think that guy, that guy was chasing down Lamar Jackson. The other thing is, as much as I've liked Lamar Jackson's progress, I thought yesterday he took a couple steps backwards. He was very, very loose with the football, got bailed out by the referees a few times. His red zone play, I, I was like, geez, Lamar, just let a play die, why don't you? But the Browns are for real because they have some real talent on the outside still. And Kareem Hunt as a running back seems to still have his legs. He made some key chain-moving runs in that last drive. And if Deshaun can be a reasonable facsimile of what he was in Houston during their playoff days, this team's going to be a tough out week after week. No doubt about it. Now I just remembered who the other guy was that got my attention. Not just, I think... Pairing Miles Garrett with Zadarius Smith yes. has been a huge deal uh, for the Cleveland Browns. They, you know, there's another team that will get to the San Francisco 49ers pairing Nick Bosa with Chase Young, yeah. I think is huge in the NFC. This combo in Cleveland, I, I think, puts them in every game the rest of the season. And if they can get this type of high-quality performance from uh, Deshaun Watson, yeah, maybe maybe they end up, maybe Cleveland gets what it paid for. They wanted to have the best quarterback in the AFC North. Now, you know, with, with Lamar maybe taking a step back and Kenny Pickett just being okay, maybe now it's a battle between Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow, who also had an interesting uh, Sunday. Uh, I want to move on to that game. The Bengals lose to the Houston Texans. Uh, what do you think that game was about? Oh, the emergence yeah. of rookie C.J. Stroud or the Bengals taking a step back and being pretenders? No, I, I think the Bengals are going to be fine. But Jason, throughout much of this game, you take away one throw, bad throw into the flat for an INT. It was clear the best quarterback on that field in Cincinnati was the rookie, C.J. Stroud. This guy's already elite. I'll say it right now. I'm not saying he's never going to have a slump or have a bad game. His ability to anticipate throws, throw on time, throw with touch and precision, and to have the command that he does, I am thoroughly impressed. And Houston, you have no problems. I think you have your head coach. That's a real leader, D'Amico Ryan. He's my coach of the year right now. That young man is my offensive rookie of the year. I actually argue he might be in the MVP race. 
And you Will Anderson is a building block on defense. I love the future of the Texans. And that guy right there, he's not just a good young quarterback, Jason. He's already one of the best. I'll say it right now. I, I'm, I'm not willing to go there just yet just because I got burned uh, jumping on the back of a rookie quarterback six, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. I can't how long ago it's been, but – I fell in love with Carson Wentz five, six, seven games into yeah. his uh, career in Philadelphia. And Eric Mangini, Eric Mangini laughed at me. <laughs> like, are you crazy? He goes, calm down. And this was like six, seven games in the car. I was like, oh, my God. And he's like, you're nuts. He goes, Jason. let's see what he looks like the second round of, of his yeah. NFL. When he takes a second lap, no one's Jason. got film on him, blah, blah, blah. Jason, Man. I will admit, and so I, I'm just reluctant. Being the type of person with honor that I am, I will admit I was also very high on Carson Wentz. Now let's go back to Carson Wentz. Had a good rookie year. And in the second year, he may have been headed to the MVP honors. And I'll never forget, he was playing the Rams when they're still out at the Coliseum. He was having a great game. And then one play, I think, changed his whole career. Near the goal line, Instead of running towards the pylon and out of bounds like a regular quarterback, he tried to act like Wilbert Montgomery or Deuce Staley, and he hits it back up inside. His knee gets crunched. Was never the same guy. Now, when you look at Stroud, this is his most impressive facet of his game, along with all the stuff he can do with his arm. He actually climbs the pocket. Most of the time when he feels pressure, he's going right into the belly of the beast and climbing the pocket instead of bouncing. And I'm thinking, ooh, that is high-level quarterbacking from a very young player. And it's not like he's throwing out there to Andre Johnson. I mean, he's making it work piecemeal. And when they start to give him some help, again, I'm high on him. We may live to regret this, um, but again, I'm high on him. I, I, I know I watched him week one. Did they play the coach week one? Let me double check that and I was thoroughly unimpressed I remember tweeting out like oh my god does this guy look no they played the Ravens then the Colts they played the Ravens yeah. week one and I think that was the game I was like oh my god is this guy in over his head this is embarrassing and and boy have I been proven wrong and and you got to credit their coaching staff uh, you, you, you know, whatever D'Amico Ryan, his offensive staff, the environment they've commit, uh, created, uh, pretty impressive what they've done and how fast uh, C.J. Stroud has developed. I'm, I'm, maybe it was the Colts because his numbers Jason, go back to last TDs. year's. Yep. Jason, go back to last year's college football semifinals. Two great games. What C.J. Stroud did to a loaded NFL Georgia defense, and I was kind of, eh, I didn't know if he had the great leadership. I know Ohio State fans were a little critical. Even though they lost that game, as Ryan Day, I thought, got way too conservative on the last set of downs, I came away thinking, you know what, Stroud, Stroud has something because he carved up an NFL-laden defense in the Georgia Bulldogs. Just, just go back to that game as a reference point. Hmm. Uh, Steve, I want to move on to a team that I will never take seriously the rest of this season. And maybe ever again, but certainly the rest of this season. I was high on the Jaguars coming into this season. 
Mm-mm. Every time I get real high on them, they embarrass themselves. And what the 49ers did to them uh, this Sunday at 34 to 3. And, and Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, everybody, oh, Trevor Lawrence may be the best quarterback in football. Oh, he's finally delivering on blah, blah, blah. That dud he laid against the 49ers yesterday, I'm just, I can't take the Jaguars seriously. And I'm now going to hop back on the San Francisco bandwagon and say that Chase Young paired with Nick Bosa is a problem that will not be solved in the NFC this season. The 49ers will represent uh, the NFC in the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm making that pledge November 13th today. They, those wow. two defensive ends make it. I just No one's going to have a solution for them. But, Jason, let's not forget the return of Trent Williams, future Hall of Famer, okay, that's protecting Brock Purdy. And, that, and this has to be said. Debo Samuels gives that Niner energy some juice. He brings them a certain energy on the end around and everything he can do as a Swiss Army knife. Look, Brock Purdy is who he is. He's a distributor of the ball. And when he has to do too much by himself, we saw the limitations. But when he could just be the point guard and get the ball out of his hands relatively quickly, um, when number 19 is in that ball game, he opens up everything for that whole offense. As for the Jaguars, look, I'm high on Trevor Lawrence still. But has this particular season, 9-10 games into it, been a disappointment? Well, when you have more interceptions than touchdowns, there's no way to justify it. And it was my belief that with Calvin Ridley, that he was going to make that next step, that next jump. Hasn't happened. Has not happened. So there's no justifying his play thus far. Look, when in this league, in this league, if you're throwing nine TDs and six interceptions halfway through the season, in this league, I, I, that, that's not defensible. It, it, they've made quarterback play too easy. And so I, I just, Trevor Lawrence to me is one of these guys that looks good, on paper, looks good in the locker room, looks great in warm-ups, looks good in several games. But when push comes to shove, I just don't think he has it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, let me stick up for old sunshine here. Last year, they're down 20-something-something something to the Chargers. Led them back, so he has a playoff victory. All right, that was pretty dramatic. He showed some special stuff after he dug them a hole, to be fair. I thought he was really good in Kansas City in that close playoff loss. Okay? He's a winner. I I still remember as a true freshman, he led Clemson to an undefeated season and tore up a really good Bama squad in San Francisco. So if you look at his resume as a winner, now look, uh, this touchdown to uh, interception ratio, maybe I read the wrong thing, but what you read, you're right. It's not good. It is not good, but we're talking about a player who had a wasted rookie season with Urban Decay. Last year, I thought he made strides, and this year he's kind of <laughs> tailed off. So let's let's hold the, off before we throw him into the junk bin here yet, Whitlock. Jeez. 
the, the, the knock, jumping on everybody's narrative about Urban Meyer really drives me crazy. Why? Uh, people do that. But Why? It, I, because terrible. I think it's overblown. Oh, I think it's dude. overblown. What? But you know. You're out of your mind. I, He's the worst. He was Lou Holtz 2.0. He was not an NFL guy. Absolute circus. And there. so, hey, l- let me correct you on, or let me help you on one thing. What you misread is he has 10 turnovers. You add mm. in the fumbles. He has okay. 10 turnovers and nine TDs. Thank you, Woodlock. Uh, and Thank that's you. too many. Anyway, anyway, so I do what it I is. can. Uh, let, me move, let me move on to a final topic. We got about 10 minutes here, Steve. Uh-huh. I want to talk about Bill Belichick and the, the possible crash landing of the uh-huh. Bill Belichick era. Uh-huh. What a horrible game they played over in Germany. Both teams, by the way, the Colts. And the Patriots, the Patriots kicked two field goals. Mac Jones is a disaster. They lose 10 to 6. Uh, here's Teddy Bruschi talking about Bill Belichick. And, mm-hmm. and anyway, let's play that. First, let me put my analyst hat on here and say, when you miss on a quarterback in the first round, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when you have a quarterback that you're trying and you think is the guy and you keep giving him every single chance. Maybe he'll turn it around and you miss. This is what it looks like. Now, my former Patriot hat I'll put on right here. When people talking about should Bill Belichick be fired midseason, listen, we are not the Las, Wa- Las Vegas Raiders, and, we are right. n- and that is not Josh McDaniels <laughs> right real. there, okay? You let Bill finish this out, Mr. Kraft, and then when it comes, o- comes, comes whatever draft pick you have at the end, have that meeting, and whatever you come up with what your decision is, whether he moves on or not, have it then. But that discussion is, is asinine. Hmm. So, no way you fire Belichick, I agree. But do you think you move on from Belichick if you're Robert Kraft? Has the Kraft-Belichick thing reached its expiration date? It seems to, and by the way, the guy that Bill Belichick should blame for the way a lot of this is going is the GM. You know who the GM is, Jason? (laughs) Bill Belichick. (laughs) And I am an admirer of that man. He's one of the greatest who ever did it. He's on that Mount Rushmore. But I recently read a book from Seth Wickersham that detailed this 20-year run with Brady, the owner, and that coach right there. And it was very clear that at the end, as Belichick kind of jettisoned Tom Brady out of there, there was some growing tension between Robert Kraft and Belichick. So I actually don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Kraft, who pays all the bills, says, you know what, Bill, you had a great run. It's over. There comes a time they had to shoot old Yeller. They had to shoot old Yeller. And by the way, that Patriot offense was so bad in Germany, I would have rebuilt the Berlin Wall and put them back on the east side of things. They were bad. But I want to defend Matt Jones in this regard, as horrible as he has been and he looks broken. They're giving him no help, Jason. Look at that roster. They have the worst set of skill position players in the league by far. Now, that is not an excuse for his that one throw in the red zone, okay? Because that looked like he was point-shaving, to be honest with you. But a lot of this is on Belichick. He is not a victim here. He is his own perpetrator with the way he has drafted and constructed that squad. Yeah, I think that Belichick is a victim of his own success in terms of Belichick believes Tom Brady is an all-time great player, but Belichick believes he created Tom Brady, the all-time great player. 
And I think he feels like or felt like, oh, I can do that with if I can just get a guy to listen to me. Same as I can do that with Mac Jones. And to me, from day one, rookie seasons like Mac Jones, that arm, no dice. It's not there. He doesn't have the tools. I don't care what you surround him with. Give him Jerry Rice, Randy Moss and Terrell Owens in the slot. Mac Jones is not the guy, and I think that was very obvious. I, I'm t- I don't. I, I think it was obvious. He's not Brock Purdy. He's not. I'm just. He was not the guy. I've never liked Mac Jones' arm. Didn't uh, like it at Alabama. Don't like it now. Jason, not the guy. And, and I, Belichick needed to move on from him a year and a half ago. Jason, I'm going to sound like the Mac Jones defender, okay? But um. You know who, yeah, Bill, Bill O'Brien is not happy with old Mac there, okay? But Bill Belichick yeah, is stupid. the guy. Mac Jones is Mac- stupid. Okay. And that's, and that's what he's looking at like, you know how easy this is, you idiot? That's what, they, that's what, Mac Jones is not any good, but go ahead. Okay, but again, and I say this as an admirer of Belichick. Last year, he decided that Matt Patricia should run his offense and guide Mac Jones. Ego. Ego. And, you know, well, you know, I don't want to talk about him on the Cincinnati. You want to talk for I mean, Bill, some of this is on you. It really that is. That is definitely on him. That's ego. That's ego. And so and, when you have that much success, Steve, you know, it, it, it's like me pulling up to a drive through window at a fast food place. I mean, I just feel like. I got this licked. I know exactly what I'm doing. I've had so much success in a fast food window that you just your ego just takes over. That's what happened to Belichick. I mean, there was a time when Belichick really was a savant. He seemed to be head of the game. But Jason, chart his last seven, eight drafts. He swings and misses more than Rob Deere and Dave Kingman. And yes, uh, I'm, I'm old. I don't know any modern-day baseball players that strike out a lot. So <laughs> But, I mean, he's had one miss after another. I mean, on one end of the spectrum, you have my guy, Brad Holmes in Detroit. Oh, man, he's Tony Gwynn. He's just hitting all the time. You see that team Detroit's putting out? Good job, Dan Campbell. You look at New England, it's actually startling how bad they have been in drafting. So it's easy just to blame Matt Jones, okay? But he's not the whole problem here by far, Jason. He really is not. Would you want would you want Belichick to be your next head coach, let's say if you're the Washington Commanders or any NFL team? Yes, under one caveat. I need a GM that's not named Bill Belichick. That's it's really that simple. It's really that simple. Yes, would I want him to that coach ain't happen. Okay, then it's not gonna happen then. Then it will not happen. Then it will not happen. Even even if you get a GM, he's just going to be Belichick's puppet. Why would Bel- Belichick agree to have a boss at this point? Look, I can only go by past results, but really recent results. So if you're going to give your organization over to any man, which is fine, based on the recent success in drafting and acquiring players, you're going to turn over that ship to Bill Belichick, really, regardless of how many rings he has on his hands. Really, Jason? I don't see well, it. No. People can, okay, how about this then? You can teach if an old dog new tricks. 
Uh, right now, he couldn't roll over and play dead in terms of draft day success. <laughs> now, the only way I allow Belichick to run my franchise is if he and Tom Brady reconcile and Brady says, you know what, I'll play till 50. Giselle's off my back. Now, they'd be like, you know what? Then I'll be like, you know what? I'm flexible. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Steve, uh, great job as always. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, love your Cosell jacket. Uh, <laughs> love it. Uh, Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell, awesome job. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in line like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the when We all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be